Hello, thank you for joining me on Humanities Radio. I'm Janet Cunningham with the University of Utah College of Humanities, and this season I'll be in discussion with professors from across our college about their latest book publications. I'm with Avery Holton, Professor of Communication, to discuss two of his upcoming books, The Paradox of Connection, How Digital Media is Transforming Journalistic Labor, and Fostering a Culture of Well-Being in Journalism. Welcome, Professor Holton. Thanks for having me. So first up, let's uh, chat about the paradox of connection. Um, Before we kind of launch into some questions, can you just kind of give an overview of the book and what kind of encouraged you or motivated you to explore this specific topic? Yeah, of course. This is a co-edited book um, that's been in the works for about five years. And really the central theme of the book is trying to understand and explore how journalists and other media workers Um, have handled changes brought about by social media and digital media and what it really means today to be burned out. And and can you recover from that? Mm -hmm. Um, Can you do something to prevent that? And some of the strategies that journalists are using can be really helpful now for others. And those include just taking micro breaks, um, moving across platforms, you know, Mm -hmm. trying new things every now and again but really trying to figure out a balance between the personal and professional in these spaces before they become too much. So how has the digital, or how has digital media impacted and changed the way journalists connect with their audience? Yeah, you know, when social media really started to grow around 2008, 9, 10, um, journalists were among the first to hop in and start trying to connect with audiences, um, looking for sources, looking for um, video coverage of events that were tough to get to, those sorts of things. But it's moved to a point where audiences expect journalists to be responsive. They expect Mm -hmm. a conversation. They want to know that they're not talking to a news bot. Um, They expect some sort of opinion every now and again, even though journalists traditionally are supposed to be neutral (laughs) and objective, those things have been traded out for engagement, which can be a really good thing to Mm -hmm. connect with audiences and build community. But it can also be um, a perilous thing. And it puts journalists in a position where audiences at any given point can harass Mm -hmm. them, can find information out about them, their locations. And we've seen this happen with online and offline harassment. It also puts journalists in a position where they should be, according to audiences and maybe even their news organizations, covering the news and sort of being on, quote unquote, 24-7, which makes it really tough. Mm -hmm. So um, in your book, you discuss, and I know you kind of mentioned this a little bit in the beginning, you address and explore some of the various aspects of journalists' connection and disconnection from social media. Can you explore those a little bit uh, further? Yeah, of course. So today we see journalists connecting um, to to get to the connection part, to build community uh, on social media spaces, to share maybe their brand if they're covering sports or politics, to look for sources, even in some cases to help with misinformation Mm -hmm. or to decrease political polarization. So there's some helpful Mm -hmm. tactics in connection and some are expected. Journalists are expected to be in these spaces now and expected to be tinkering with technology like the podcast that we're Mm -hmm. doing right now. The disconnection side, though, comes when journalists are uh, facing burnout Mm -hmm. through these tougher work conditions, these work hazards like harassment, like long hours, like, in some cases, low pay, like poor um, security or trauma measures Mm -hmm. for journalists covering uh, difficult events like like we see right now with um, 
the, the conflict, the global conflict we see. So journalists are having to make decisions on what that disconnection looks like. Do they sort of turn off the lights for a little bit? Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe at nine o'clock at night, the social media goes off and it's family time. What risk comes with that? Yep. May they miss something? Do they take extended breaks for weeks at a time from social and digital media to sort of help recharge the batteries and come back? Or is it too late? And do they exit from the profession? And we've seen a number of journalists, high profile in some cases, exit wow. journalism and, and tell us why on social media platforms. And sometimes saying it's the very platform itself, wow. um, Twitter, now called X, mm-hmm. Instagram, Threads, TikTok, that caused that departure. So is it um, more of the the feedback they're getting from their followers that is causing the burnout? Or is it just the one of the facts that they just simply have to be on and doing it all of the time? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a combination, right, of, of those ingredients of, you know, 15 years ago, journalists didn't have to be on mm-hmm. all the time. They could go home and, and disconnect um, the engagement they might have with the audience other than having a source or receiving an image on social media was really the same as it, it always was. Letters to the editors, mm-hmm. call-ins, emails. Mm-hmm. It's not like that anymore. Um, journalists have to be on all the time because the global news cycle is 24-7. Right. And they might miss something. Uh, their news organization might fall behind. When they're on in those spaces, though, they put themselves in direct connection with audiences, for better or for worse. And audiences are people. Mm-hmm. Some of them are great and want, just want to connect, comment, engage. Others have political agendas, ideological right. agendas, um, trolling agendas that can really cause harm for journalists. And that harm comes in the form of harassment that often cases starts off small, mm-hmm. um, is what we would call acute, but in some cases becomes chronic. The same person doing the same harassing or the same person making threats that take a toll on the Mm -hmm. psyche of journalists. Right. And so what are some of the key takeaways when journalists read their book, read this book, what are some of the key takeaways? Mm -hmm. One, that journalists aren't alone. Um, You know, this is a global network. Journalists now more than ever are breaking free of the stigma Mm -hmm. around um, issues of harassment and burnout. You know, just a few years ago, um, journalists across a multitude of global studies said, well, we don't want to talk about burnout. We don't want to talk about disconnection because we might get fired or we might Mm -hmm. be seen as um, weaker than other journalists. That's flipped. And a lot of that has flipped because of the research being done and and amplifying um, the needs and wants of these journalists. But some of it is just for sustainability of the industry. If the industry is going to be sustained, journalism and news organizations want to keep functioning, um, in many cases, profitably, they have to take care of their right. most valuable asset, and, and that's journalists. And journalists are saying more and more, pay attention to our well-being, pay attention to our mental health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And news organizations, um, like they've always been, are slow to uptake these changes, but to, to their credit, they're starting to do that. Right. And this, I mean, this literally leads us into your next book, uh, which is called Fostering a Culture of Well-Being for Journalism. So kind of talk about how this book connects with the one that we were just talking about. Yeah, this book is awesome. So this book is, um, you can tell it's, it's my favorite um, of, of the two, though. They're both great. Um, everybody should get a copy. But this one is more about the happiness of journalism right. and, and what makes journalists happy. And again, this is a co-edited, co-authored book. And we sought journalists and journalism scholars from all over the globe. So this okay. is a global perspective. 
to explore what safety looks like for journalists, what trauma looks like, what trauma response looks mm-hmm. like, what happiness looks like for individual journalists, for journalists working in newsrooms, for journalists who are being creative, coders, mm-hmm. hackers, um, those creating AI. So we get a holistic sense of really what makes people who are deciding to be in this industry happy, mm-hmm. what helps them stay, what makes them feel supported. And that's really important because mm-hmm. like we talked about with the paradox of um, Connection Book, journalists' mental health and well-being yeah. is at an all-time low. And if we can understand what makes them happy professionally and even personally in some ways, then we can understand and news organizations can better understand how to support them. So what's the impact of not addressing these stressors, both for the journalists and for the news outlet they work for? Mm-hmm. The number one impact we've seen is burnout, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's across you know almost any profession. Right. If you're not happy and you're doing difficult work for either low pay or in difficult positions and you feel stigmatized or othered or mm-hmm. on the periphery, you start to feel burnout and question why, you, right. why you're there. So journalists who aren't happy, um, journalists who feel like they're only uh, out is to leave the profession mm-hmm. really is something that news organizations should be paying attention to because Absolutely. with the um, with newspapers and other legacy media going online in the early 2000s, then shifting to these digital and social media platforms, we saw a drawback in the number of journalists. Mm-hmm. But now we're seeing a case where news organizations, including many startups, are looking for journalists, right. want skilled journalists to come in, and they, they can't find them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because many of the journalists who were part of that exodus over the last couple of decades figured out, well, they can be happier mm-hmm. in another profession. They can have a nine to five, not right. a nine to nine. Yeah, They can have um, an HR system that supports them or mm-hmm. provides mental health and wellness structures for them. And so they see those things and decide to, to stay away from the profession. There are other studies now indicating um, journalists who return to the profession do so not out of um, a pursuit of happiness, mm-hmm. but out of a pursuit of justice or a pursuit of sharing information or okay. truth. And they they feel like they're putting themselves in harm's way when they return. And that's mm-hmm. something we didn't see yeah. 15 or 20 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. we saw journalists who might leave because of a family situation right. for a couple of years and return just because it made them happy to be at a sporting event covering that or talking to politicians or working in the community. Now there's this layer of responsibility that has taken over the happiness factor of journalism. Yeah. Is this kind of trickling down to students? Like, are students, are, are your journalism students aware that this potential burnout is come, could possibly come their way if they go into journalism? Yeah, we talk about, I mean, it's one of the first things that we talk about with our students um, are the precarities mm-hmm. of journalism or any media job so that they're aware, mm-hmm. right? Um, because sometimes the profession can still seem um, shiny and big, right. and there are some difficult layers to go through. What's really cool about students, um, both college students, high school, um, and even middle school students that we've engaged with, is one, they're really interested in picking apart misinformation. Yeah, They're very interested in working with new technology like AI. They're highly engaged civic citizens, meaning mm-hmm. they want to cover uh, hard issues like politics, mm-hmm. um, like global economics, 
like climate change, and they're excited about those issues. Mm -hmm. And that's a fantastic turn in journalism. So all along the way, we're talking about these precarities. We have other journalists Mm -hmm. come and engage. Our students have multiple internships and experiential opportunities, so they they can feel that. But what we also talk about is figuring out what will make you happy in these positions, much like the happiness book, that you now have agency as a student or as an incoming journalist to help news organizations understand what is going to work for sustainable journalism. Mm -hmm. You can also work for yourself. You can work for alternative media outlets. You don't have to just be a reporter, right? You can be a data analyst. You can be an AI creator, Mm -hmm. um, a tinkerer of sorts. And these are jobs, too, that we're seeing more and more happiness in that allow creative control, um, a level of autonomy that journalists used to experience 30 years ago and currently don't. Our students now can return to that, if not demand that. And that gives them power and agency when they go out into the journalism market. Okay. And so is this kind of, is that something you explore in the book about what current journalists can do to um, benefit their well-being? We do. We, we talk, um, or I should say the authors of the book, because mm-hmm. again, this is 20 plus chapters in the right. happiness book from other global journalists. This curated collection, um, almost every chapter talks about a prescriptive, what can be done? Yeah. What can you do? Some of that are those disconnection strategies mm-hmm. we talked about. But others are making sure that you're pursuing topics that are of interest to you. Um, Why cover politics if your passion is food? Um, Why cover food if your passion is automotive? Um, Really pursuing those passions. And then being able to tell the story you want to tell Mm -hmm. on the appropriate platform, right? So um, if you're telling a story about Taylor Swift, is the appropriate Mm -hmm. platform a print article or is it creating a cool podcast? Is it streaming? Mm -hmm. Is it creating some sort of visual series? What will help you get there? And that's what we teach our students here, those Mm -hmm. sort of skills and critical thinking. But in the book, these journalists and these Mm -hmm. journalism researchers say, yes, do all those things, but don't forget your identity. So when you're in these social media spaces, don't just become a journalist. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're finding a pathway to be who you want to be, whether that is a father, a son, a mother, a daughter, mm-hmm. you know, a hobbyist, a volleyball player, a runner, whatever that is, make sure you're embedding that identity in these spaces too mm-hmm. so that you don't get lost. And have you seen within this book or within, I guess I should say, within your research or your co-author's research, have you seen any news outlets who are approaching this successfully, who are actually very mm-hmm. Um, considerate of their journalist well-being? Have you found that yet? What we found more are centers okay. and institutions that are amplifying these messages. Okay. Um, so one is called DART, and it's a, a center institution that really is focused on um, helping journalists who've experienced trauma mm-hmm. and war coverage oh. um, or safety issues but they've taken up the task now of mental health and wellness and getting information out to news organizations to say, hey, beyond um, HR, you know, telling somebody who is clearly going through a crisis to take a breather or to go have a glass of wine or go do some yoga um, to really help coach these journalists and connect Mm -hmm. them with one another. And while that's happening and while news organizations are sort of figuring out ways to work in the space, something really cool is happening on the inside of journalism. And it's journalists, um, both in the book and Mm -hmm. beyond, 
are telling us that they are connecting again with one another in oh, these social great. media spaces. Mm-hmm. They're forming uh, what would amount to support groups right. where they talk about ways to combat trolling. Mm-hmm. They talk about ways to um, handle harassment, both from other journalists and and audiences. Mm-hmm. They talk about disconnection strategies with one another so they can feel that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. They can be autonomous and set some of their own um, boundaries and be creative, right. but they also have a connected community that's out there and really is just uh, a click away mm-hmm. on Instagram or Threads or X or Blue Sky or right, whatever it might right. be. And so have you found any of the journalists that after kind of engaging in these different, like finding a community or looking for other resources, have you found some journalists that actually decided to stay in their profession rather than calling it quits? Yeah, we, we have an ongoing study right now um, that hopefully will, will be part of another book, an extension okay. of this where um, journalists, specific for the study, journalists covering sports in major markets. So think about you know Major League Baseball right. or the National Football League or the National Basketball Association, that these journalists are experiencing harassment, that they're thinking about um, disconnection strategies, they're worried about burnout, but because they have one another, they're able to talk about mm. how to handle harassment. Because they have one another, um, they might have Zoom calls mm-hmm. or local meetups when they're right. in town to just decompress and, mm-hmm. and to feel that community. And they've also come up with strategies on their own that work around, in some cases, the policies of their news organizations mm-hmm. that include, in, in many cases now, confronting harassers online. Yeah. So as an example, if someone receives um, an awful message in their DMs, mm-hmm. instead of just letting that go or trying to report it to the news organization, in these cases, they're taking screenshots of that, sharing it and calling mm-hmm. out not only the harasser, but sending it to their family and friends, right. saying, this is the person that you love. Mm-hmm. Look what they're doing. And that sort of shaming technique is just one approach that's working. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it puts journalists in this really precarious position, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you share information like that, that comes to you from someone, what are they going to do? Right. What is their reaction going to be either online or offline? And what, how is your news organization going to respond right. to this? Are you going to get fired because you took up for yourself mm-hmm. or because of the approach you, you took didn't align with the values of the news organization? So it's always still this kind of precarious um, balance between what journalists can do, what they should do, what they shouldn't do. But that community structure that mm-hmm. started building back up is extremely important for journalists. So it sounds like it's really kind of at this point up to the journalists themselves to find their path to well-being. What advice or I guess what recommendation do you have for the actual news organizations to for their journalists in order to keep their journalists in order to support their well-being? And so journalists don't have to go out and find it themselves. Yeah, it's, it's beyond time to step up, mm-hmm. right? And that's one of the uh, conclusions that both of these books draw, mm-hmm. is that news organizations have begun to do some work, but it's not enough. Right. Um, acknowledging journalists and uh, their pleas for help with mm-hmm. mental health and wellness, with hours, with pay, uh, is a good step. Mm-hmm. Developing policy is a, a good second step. Mm-hmm. Now, long-term, sustained action and accountability should follow that. And some organizations are beginning to do that and signal to journalists, this isn't a individual 
issue. Right. This is a systemic uh -huh. issue that either our news organization needs to fix or all of journalism as a profession needs to fix. Right. And we see these calls coming out from the Society of Professional Journalists and other groups um, that advocate for journalists. And we're starting to hear it more from the journalists themselves. Okay. News organizations should be next. Okay. And so kind of jumping a little bit off topic, my last question, the same question I ask every single person um, at the end of each podcast is, what does the world know now because of your research that they didn't know before? Mm -hmm. the, these books combined really help us peel back the implications of, of social media use in our everyday lives, right? Mm -hmm. Just like journalists, most of us are using, whether forced by our jobs or our friends or peer pressure, or just because we, we want to, we're using social media. Mm -hmm. And we're on our phones and we're in front of computers and other devices more than we ever have been. Um, in some cases now, kiddos are in front of these devices 10 or 12 hours a day. It's, right. it's part of our lives. It's mm -hmm. braided into our lives. What does that mean for our personal wellness? Mm -hmm. What does it mean for our emotional well-being? What does it mean when we want to disconnect? And ultimately, what does it mean to be happy right. with these digital and social media spaces in our lives? Mm -hmm. That was Avery Holton, Professor of Communication. For more information about the University of Utah College of Humanities, please visit humanities.utah.edu. And don't forget to subscribe to Humanities Radio.